I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu, and I'm delighted to say that I'm joined uh, by Sophie Nicolau, the head honcho of the Highbury Squad podcast. You know what? I'll give you a Highbury Squad salute as well. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing good. Bravo, Harry. Well done. Uh, yeah, doing good. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. All well? All good? You Christmas ready? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, it's one of those ones where every time I go home, my missus is like, you know, we need to start Christmas shopping. You know, we need to start getting presents for this person and that person. And I'm almost afraid to hand over the card <laughs> from, <laughs> from the damage that's going to be left after it. But look, it's got to be done. Um, yeah, no, definitely not Christmas ready. I've had a bit of uh, the man flu. And as you know, for Greek men in particular, oh dear, it, it is really bad. You know, it was so bad, Sophie, that I got up today, went to work and all the way to work, all throughout the first part of my day, I thought it was Thursday today. Shocking. I thought it was Thursday. And I'm sitting there and people are saying to me, what are you doing this afternoon? And I said, you know what? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch the Arsenal game against Leon, And I might even do a watch along on the channel for it. And it's the wrong day. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm, I'm all over the place. Like the last few days I've been a bit mm. ill. And uh, yeah. Man, there's a... man flu and then there's Greek man there's flu. There's Greek man flu. Exactly. Oh boy. My cousin George has it right now. And uh, <laughs> God bless his wife. That's all I can say. And God bless yours as well. Yeah, she she's uh, she's not impressed. Only my mother uh, understands the pain, I think. But that's how it goes. Um, how's things with you? How's it all going? Tell us what's <laughs> happening at Highbury Squad HQ. Yeah, it's been a bit quiet. Uh, we've just been doing the Monday show and one other show during this World Cup uh, period. Next week, our regular schedule will start picking up uh, a little bit more again. But it's kind of been, I miss Arsenal now. I'm ready. I'm a, I'm I'm ready to get dive you know starting to look for tickets in I'm starting to like okay when are we kicking in again when's it all happening and so yeah so it's, uh, it's good we just uh you know we did a, a show on Monday with Kev and talked about Jesus we're going to do the same here with you today and um and kind of you know our evergreen shows that people may not have seen with Jack Wilshire and Paul Davis and Bob Wilson just been putting those out there again make sure people get to see that kind of stuff brilliant yeah I know what you mean about it being quiet I've kind of taken the opportunity to just quieten down a little bit myself as mm -hmm. well because um sort of been looking at how things are going to look when the Premier League returns and, and the FA Cup and all of that stuff and it's been really full-on and I know it's going to be full-on again and I kind of thought you know what let's take a step back a little bit and, and have a bit of a breather um but we are back now to daily podcasts so I'm looking forward to getting back nice. into the routine and the swing of things. And um, and as you say, you mentioned Gabby Jesus. There's been a fair bit of Arsenal news over the past few days, which is kind of what yeah. pushed me back into uh, getting back on the wagon. But let's start with that. Let's start with the Gabby Jesus news, because I think when we all heard it was a knee problem, um, alarm bells started ringing. There were contradicting reports being thrown around. There were some suggestions that this could be a month absence. Others were saying that it could be three, maybe four months and Arsenal have come out yesterday and told us that the player has undergone surgery. We don't know, however, what the timescale is that the club believe anyway, because they kept that to themselves. As I think you probably would 
in their position. But first of all, what was your initial reaction to the news? How severely do you think this damages Arsenal's hopes, I guess, and ambitions of potentially maintaining the level and standards that they've set so far? I think it's very difficult. I don't want to be an alarmist and I'm not being negative in any way. Just my humble opinion um, to respond to your question directly. How does any team cope when they lose one of their best players? And the reason why we are at the top of the league and five points clear of Manchester City is because of players like Jesus. Now, there's a juxtaposition for Arsenal fans. You've got some in the camp of, well, he doesn't score goals. What's the difference between him and Lacazette? I was getting messages yesterday and I'm like, wow. okay, <laughs> how much time do you have for us to dissect that one? Because what he does that Aubameyang and Lacazette didn't do, Lacquer more towards the end than the last few months of his Arsenal career, Harry, is he still offers so much when he's not scoring. And here's a player who, even when he doesn't score, he's in the mix to be man of the match. And I think when, yes, do we need a prolific goal scorer, 100%, but the difference between this Arsenal and the old Arsenal, Arsenal 2.0, is starting to get goals from Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, Xhaka, Thomas Partey, you know, um, from set pieces or corners, you know, Gabriel has been great um, as well. So there are goals coming from different spots. And the way Arteta likes to play, he likes to rely on his team and not one individual. And it's a massive blow for, in terms of how we play. Because how do you how do you duplicate or replicate what Saliba provides in a game? Difficult. How do you do that with Thomas Partey? Difficult. How do you do that with Jesus Harry? Difficult. That's the spine. Any one of those three goes down, it affects, you know, it's a domino effect. So he's been so influential, both on the pitch, off the pitch. He's um, brought a winning mentality to the club. He has shown what it means to kind of hustle, work hard in a game, doesn't give up. He's been a beacon of an example to Saka and Martinelli who have excelled so far this season. It's it's massive when you take an influential player like that out of the team. Now the goal for the, the club is to be ready for those moments. And the biggest question is, are we ready? And I think the drop-off on Jesus' replacement, on Thomas Partey' replacement, you know, Saliba a bit different because Ben White can play centre-back. Yep. You don't have to go to Rob Holding. But, you know, those players, losing them is massive. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's it's a concern. It's a worry. Um, I'm trying to look at this from a positive sort of perspective. And I mm. guess the way I'm thinking is that, you know, Arsenal took a big decision on Eddie Nketiah in the summer. You know, it looked as though he was all set to depart the club. And along come Arsenal with a, a very enticing offer around about £100,000 a week, we're being led to believe. Eddie Nketiah must have got some, you know, some sort of indication that he would be the go-to, A, in the absence of Jesus, but B, in sort of some of the cup competitions as well. And and must feel as though those opportunities were, were not a million miles away to have committed his future the way he did. If Mikel Arteta trusts him and Mikel Arteta thinks that he can fill those shoes for how long we don't know exactly, then I'm almost inclined to say we have to kind of give him a chance and we have to believe that they've seen enough in him at least to suggest that he mm -hmm. can help us. Now, you, you made a great point about the goals thing. It isn't about goals with Gabriel Jesus. He hasn't scored 
in, if I'm not mistaken, something like 15 games. I would bet anybody that if Eddie and Ketty had played 15 games up front for Arsenal in the first team, not in the Carabao Cup team, not in the Europa League team, that he would score more than Jesus has managed in that period of time. That's a pretty obvious and easy thing to say, but I'm not worried about goals is the point I'm making. I think it's the rest of it. It's and how pressing. many of those games are we winning, Harry? If, yeah. if Eddie's playing up hmm. front and he hasn't scored for 15 games, yeah. how many of those games are we actually winning yeah, based you, on you, what Jesus right. does? Yeah, you're right. And that's, that's, that's what I'm coming on to. It's that I'm worried about the other things. I'm worried about the pressing. I'm worried about the fact that Gabby Jesus is a big name in football and had a great reputation when he joined the club. And that causes teams, doesn't it, to put extra focus on him. And that takes away from the focus that they can then place on others. And that creates room and space for others. You know, Jesus isn't your traditional centre forward. He doesn't stick in the middle. He goes to the left. He goes to the right. He gets involved in build-up play. And so, you know, yes, you're not losing a focal point, but you're losing someone who's very, very important in a multitude of ways. And you mentioned as well the experience and the know-how and the winning mentality that we'll be without. It It is a worry. It is a concern. But is for you, Eddie and Ketia, the answer here? Because I've been going through in my mind what I would be thinking about now if I were Mikel Arteta. Would I think about moving Martinelli there? Would I think about bringing Emil Smith-Rowe in the side to, to you know, to facilitate that? Mm. There's so many options, I think, that Mikel Arteta has. And if we're talking about the transfer window in January, which we'll come on to in a little bit, would there be a temptation in your mind to, to go out there and say, actually, this is something I need to sort? And if Arsenal do go and bring in a forward, for example, does that indicate that maybe the timescale is longer than we initially believe? So I've given that's, you about seven questions. Yeah, there. no, I know. But let's start like that is you can remind me of the others, but... You know, Harry, one of the things that concerns me, and I didn't want to make a big deal of it on the show the other day, was did was he played when he shouldn't have been playing, right? Was um, Tommy Yasu's reaction to him uh, finding out, you know, he's got, he, he almost said, oh, was it his knee? You know what I mean? And it was so in typical fashion, right? My gardener's literally just shown up. Do you can you can you hear it in the background? No, Typical no, no. Greek stuff going on here. Um, is when Tommy reacted the way he did, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a bit weird. He made, he didn't even ask him where. He just said at the knee, and then there was these question marks with where the Brazilian coach came out vehemently denied, you know, anything. And it yeah. worries me that had he been playing with a bit of a knock, players play with bit with knocks all the time, um, but. Eddie, for me, is a drop-off. Now, can he come in in a short space of time and score goals and do well? Yes, he proved that last season. The problem is, if you're asking him to do that until March, should Jesus, um, we did a show with Tom yesterday and we're talking about the timeline of Jesus's injury, what it looks like, and it, there is no clear path now. And I saw you telling him to, like, lay down because he's on his crutches walking in his house you know, it's like you just had surgery yeah, what, the other what day. What are you dude. doing, mate? Sit what down. What are you doing? <laughs> but this shows you his tenacity. He wants to come back. He's going to come back stronger. His belief in his, um, in you know, in in what he believes in, like he's, you know, God is big to him. That's a big thing. You know, players have a lot of faith in themselves, and I think that he believes that he's going to come back stronger, and that's good from a mental point of view. I think we're seeing what we want from him. 
Um, but Eddie to come in and cover for him over a longer term period, I I just don't think that he's the answer to do that. Can he do it over six, seven games? Yes. But then the problem is, is God forbid, what if there's another injury? Arsenal need to be prepared for what happened last season. You lose Tierney, you lose Tommy, you lose Partey, the season collapses, the confidence goes. I do think the team are built different mentally this year to bounce back from the disaster and the capitulation from last year to come back and be playing the way we are to only lose a game to to United away, which we should have won anyway, and playing the way we are, like mental monsters. So from that point of view, this team has a belief. They believe in each other. They support each other. And Eddie has has another moment. He proved it last season. Can he do it again now, Harry? And I think for us to kind of not, look, I've been very critical of Arteta in the past, but he seems to have this team very well oiled, very well prepared. He understands, he knows. I think he's prepared for these moments. I think he knew before the World Cup, if someone comes back injured, this is our plan of attack. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to help condition the player mentally, physically, everything. So from that point of view, I think we have to believe that there's a reason why he got that contract. What worries me is over a longer period of time, and the biggest concern is that he doesn't offer the same things off the ball that Jesus does. Um, and I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for Saka and Martinelli in particular, because all those spaces you find yourself in because Jesus pushes up the field, wins the ball back for you, and then you're off yeah. or you're passing the ball in from the flanks. Um, that does not happen when Eddie and Ketia plays. And that is a problem with regards to the way Mikel wants to play. Yeah, you, you make some great points there. Can you hear me okay? Because my microphone's like popping on and off. My God, no, your microphone. You sound great, Harry. You always do. Oh, I, okay. That's good. Um, it was like disconnected. No, it's connected. No, it's disconnected. I didn't know what, whether I was coming or going. So, um, yeah, but no, you, you make some great points there. And, and, and I think you're right. You know, we, we are going to go through a difficult period, a much more difficult period than we would have envisaged off the back of this injury. I, I do wonder as well about the Jesus problem going into it. I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because as a player, the World Cup is is the pinnacle. You want to be there. You want to be involved. Um, it's hard for me to sit here and say that Brazil knew he had a problem when they've come out and denied it, and I have no evidence to the contrary. So, um, you know, I, I understand why people feel that way and are maybe a little bit concerned about that. But it's one of those things that we'll never be able to prove. And so, you know, wh where do we kind of go from here? But, I mean, what would you do in January, Soph? Because we we kind of got an inkling going into the window that Arsenal would be looking at a wide forward. That was something that was on their radar from last mm. summer and that they'd probably be looking to add in midfield as well. That's what all the reports and suggestions are telling us. Do you think now that the plan should change? Do you think it will change? It didn't last January, did it? Um, and it almost did in the summer, desperately towards the end of the window. We're a team now that has plans in place. They work yep. two windows ahead. They identify the players that they want. Fiscally, they're very responsible. They will not go over. You saw that with the negotiations that they were trying to undertake with Aston Villa. Um, I do think that last January should be a shining example to the owners, to Adu and Mikel. Um, the manager's always going to want reinforcements. I don't think this one's on Mikel as much as it is on the owners and Adu to push the owners to make this happen, Harry, because we missed 
an opportunity. It was an improbable situation, but we stuck to our guns and kept to our strategic path and did not invest in January. That came back to bite us in the butt. Bum. Um, now we're in a totally more elevated position, a mega improbable situation. Who saw Arsenal challenging for the title this season? Who thought we'd be here? You've got to roll the dice and go for it. Because as we've seen, those kind of turn, those those recycling seasons for teams don't come often. What, once yep. every five years maybe? Um, and this is the time to reinforce. You've got a weakened Chelsea. You've got a, a Manchester United that's trying to come back. You've got a Tottenham that are a little bit kind of Jekyll and Hyde with Conte, but still finding ways to win, even though they're not playing great. Will they invest? Um, you know, you've got Liverpool who are yep. having a season nobody expected. You've got to go in. You've got to buy. You've got to capitalize. Whether Jesus was injured or not, we need to be buying and enhancing this team in every single window if we want to be competitive, let alone challenge again. So, yes, stick to your guns and buy the attacking winger, winger but there has to be a contingency plan for moments like this as well. Um but I still think that midfield position is probably even more fundamental, fundamentally important than the Jesus replacement right now because I do think we have options for a few games to figure it out. It's I don't know. What, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't expect Arsenal to veer too far away from what their plan would have been anyway. Um, I think that there was. Uh, I think that there is a plan to go out and reinforce the attack with probably a wide player. Um, I think the idea was always a wide player, though, that would be quite comfortable playing anywhere across the front three. And I think that when you think about some of the players that we've been linked with, so, for example, Cody Gakpo was one. Looks like he's more likely to go to Manchester United now than anywhere else. But he's someone that is a wide player, but people talk about his potential to play at centre forward. We've heard that Mikel Arteta's view on Mikhailo Mudrik, for example, is that he is somebody that can be adapted to play as a centre forward as well. So I think the profile of what Arsenal are looking for is not really going to change. Um, you know, a player that I want to talk briefly about is, is João Felix of Atletico Madrid. Been really impressed with his performances at the World Cup. I think he's a great player. We've, um, you know, we've been talking over the past sort of 24 hours on this show about the issues that he has at Atletico Madrid. He's not wanted by Diego Simeone at the moment. The pair have clearly fallen out, which is nuts when you think about what a talent he is. But he doesn't feel that Atletico are getting the best out of him. He doesn't feel that he fits into their system. He wants to move away. Uh, the CEO of Atletico Madrid, uh, Gil Marin, came out and said that although he thinks he's a top, top player, a world-class player, in fact, he recognises and understands that given the situation, given his relationship with Simeone, that if a, an offer was to come in, Atletico Madrid would have to consider it. And I just think, and, and jump in with your opinion on this, I just think if we're being linked with Mikhailo Mudrik for 50, 60 million pounds, my first port of call would be to go and take that money and inquire with Atletico Madrid around João Felix. Now, people keep telling me 120 million is what they want. Euros, that is. 110 million euros. If the player is in a position where he has made it abundantly clear that he doesn't want to be there. And the club also know that they want him out as well because they're picking Simeone over João Felix, as, as clubs should do. They should back their managers over the players. Then I, I wouldn't be surprised 
if a 50, 60 million pound offer at least brought Atletico to the table. Now, it might not be enough. Yep, the mic's gone on my back. Yeah, your mic, yeah, you're back now. It went out. Okay, for a, I think I'm, yeah. let me just make sure. I don't know what's going on. I must have a loose connection. You were, connection you were on the, taking uh, the 50 or 60 and maybe that's a start. I'd, they're not, they're not going to yeah. let him go for, you're, you're talking about opening negotiations at 50, yeah. 60, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about opening negotiations, taking that money to the table and bringing them to the negotiation table. And I think if the player pushes, and clearly Atletico have a desire to move him on. I think there's a potential that a deal could be done at maybe 65, 70 million pounds, right? And if you can get that deal done, you've got someone who not only comes in and replaces Gabriel Jesus in the interim, but is a wonderful addition to our attack moving forwards as well. It wouldn't be a short-term signing. It would be a long-term signing that can help us now and today. And I, knowing what I know about the finances of a lot of these Spanish clubs, knowing what I know about João Félix's desire to leave, knowing what I know about Atletico Madrid's desire to part ways with him, I think this is something that Arsenal have to explore before going and saying, here's 50, 60 million pounds for a player who looks a great prospect, but is playing in the Ukraine, has shown flashes in the Champions League, but is a much bigger gamble than the Portuguese international. Now... In my perfect world, and maybe this would be more of a summer type of uh, situation, Harry, is you get both of those players. Now you're now you're talking, right? You're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, or you, you get one of those players, you get a, a, a midfielder. Um, I always think, you know, big clubs, like in the past, you know, City have done it, they've got the money to do it. Liverpool have done it, they've got the money. Man United, you buy two, three marquee players. We're a one marquee player a window type of club, but this is a player who's a game changer. This is a player that you do have to adapt your plans for if he becomes available. Um, Very talented, very versatile, can play up top, can play behind, can play on the wings as well. You could um, totally backs up your Mudrick um, point in terms of, do you then need him when you've got that versatility? You've got Emil Smith-Rowe coming back. You've got Martinelli, you've got Saka. You would have someone like Felix. You would have all of this talent. Um, The biggest thing for me is what then do you do? Do you also go to the table? Let me spin this for you. Do you go? Because for me, he's perfect in terms of how we play. He seems like the quintessential Mikel Arteta player, right? So when you go to the table, do you offer Fabio Vieira as well? Um, It's an interesting one. I, I don't think we would. Uh, because I think that Arsenal took that decision to invest in Fabio Vieira and will probably give him more time. Um, my my thing with Fabio Vieira right now is I don't really know what he is. So when we signed him, I thought of him as an eight. And when I watch him, I think of him as somebody who's maybe a little bit lightweight and, and maybe can't be an eight. I don't think he's, well, he's definitely not built like Granite Xhaka. And I don't think he's got the same defensive uh, capabilities that Martin Odegaard has in terms of leading the press from the front and all of that stuff. Is he going to adapt into that? Or is he someone that is probably going to play from the flanks? A bit like Emil Smith-Rowe. Did Harry freeze? Or have I frozen in time? I feel like Harry's frozen in time. Or is it me? Who's frozen? 
seen the film Frozen. <laughs> I haven't. I could sing a song from it, though. Um, Harry's Frozen in Time. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to carry on. For me, Felix is a ready-made player. And I think one of the biggest deals for us as a club is the ready-made, the ready-madeness of um, Jesus and Zinchenko are what have contributed to us playing so well. I saw someone in chat say, um, you know, uh, Pep sold you duds. And then someone responded, these duds have got us to the top of the league. 100% correct. They have got us to the top of the league. Jesus is not a dud. Zinchenko certainly not a dud. And maybe in your Manchester City team, it's a little bit different. But in this Arsenal team, they are hugely valuable and bring a totally different level of experience to the table that has already enhanced our side. And it is... Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Interesting to me that Arsenal are now evolving into maybe becoming the kind of team that, yes, we want to buy young, yes, we want to buy youth, but also I think one of the key criteria is to continue building on players who can come in and have an immediate effect on the side. And that to me, is what helps us build consistency and success when you have that experience coupled with the younger players. I'm talking about ready-made players, Harry. Like, to me, Felix can come in and he's ready-made yeah. to play. He's he can he can, I know he hasn't played in the Premier League. He's played in the Champions League. He's played at the highest level. He's playing at the Euros. He's shining for his international team. Mudrik, I'm sure, will come in and hit the ground running and can be one of those sensational players but we haven't seen enough of him in those types of moments and situations. And Arsenal are finding themselves in a really massive moment here. And you need experience to be able to pull this through um, as the final act of the season kicks in, Harry. Yeah. You, you, again, you know, completely agree that, you know, it's, it's, I'm finding it hard to really know what the, the, the move is with Fabio Vieira. I like what I've seen of him so far in flashes and in glimpses. Um, and, you know, let's let's see where that goes. But I don't think we'd use him as a mate quite just yet. I think it's too early to kind of make a judgment either way. Um, apologies. I, I have no idea what's happened. All the tech gremlins have decided to jump out at me. Um, my Internet went down. My microphone uh, disconnected <laughs> because I've, I think I've got a USB connector where I've got a few things plugged into. I think that's probably on the blink, which would explain it. Well, got you came back at the right time because I was about to start singing Frozen songs to <laughs> your listeners. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, let it go. <laughs> that's probably what people were thinking when I'm uh, on my soapbox talking. All I don't know what them. the reality is here for us because, look, we still have a few players at the World Cup. Thankfully, you know, there's a few back. Tommy did not have a good World Cup. You know, he... He's carrying knocks. Jesus now, the situation that he's in. And Jack is probably knackered. Partey came back unscathed, fingers crossed. You know, let's just get the let's get the band back together as soon as human, humanly possible. And 
let's not let this situation go that we find ourselves in. Because I tell you something, I can't deal with the dartboards that will come about us failing or dropping or, you know, I, yeah, I just it, can't deal with all of that. It Harry. depends on what you define as failure. Because like for me, if Arsenal don't win the title, right, and end up finishing second or third. That's not a failure. That's not a failure. But p- people would dress it up as that because of where we are today and because of how we started the season. And that will drive me mad because it's it's not a failure. By definition of, of what Arsenal set out to achieve is not a failure. Um, it would be maybe a bit of a disappointment, a frustration maybe, but not a failure. And but I Shouldn't think that, we be um, aiming for that though, Harry? Shouldn't we be aiming for, look, well, now we're here. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you're at the bar. There's the super hot chick or hot guy and you're having a good time, drinks, and, you know, you know you can go home and have even more fun. You're going to do that. Why wouldn't you you close the deal? You will aim for the absolute pinnacle. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure there are plenty of people in the chat that know that if the night gets to 3 a.m. and you haven't hit the pinnacle, then maybe you... Or the lights come on. Yeah, you adjust those expectations. I don't know. Um, But look, it's... um, it's an interesting one because I think it's going to depend a lot on how we get to that point. So if it's because of a lack of depth and it's because we didn't strengthen when we needed to and didn't have the opportunity, then people will be angry. And I'd understand that. But if it's just because we're not good enough and we we come short, you know, or we level out, I think that's the best way of looking at it. You know, if Arsenal drop a few points after the break, that won't be Arsenal going backwards. That would be Arsenal leveling out because Arsenal, in my opinion, have overachieved so far in, in this current Premier League season. And, and that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, if we on. finish fourth then, mm. is that a failure? If we oh. finish fourth, we'd have achieved what we set out to do at the start of the season. Like last but season, given, a goal yeah. was fin- fifth and they were happy with that. Yeah. But if we if we continue in the way we've been playing and we are up there for a long period of time and then we fall away dramatically then you could look at it and say okay ultimately we achieved what we set out to achieve but it's disappointing that we didn't you know maintain the level and and maintain the the, yeah we didn't maintain the level that we set in the early part of the season that would be frustrating of course but from the club's point of view the goal is to get in the Champions League right and they will take that even if it's doing it on the last day of the Premier League season. I'm convinced of that because that's how their plan looks and that's that's what they're aiming for. Um, just quickly, because a few people have been asking uh, where the uh, João Felix chat is coming from, because um, it is in the title. Or the title is Arsenal held João Felix talks. Uh, is Modric the primary target and is it time to trust in Enketia? Now, I haven't made this up. Um, as is always the case on this show, we take reports that are being reported and we discuss them. Uh, So where this has come from is it's come from an Italian journalist by the name of Matteo Moretto, who I'm told is is pretty reliable normally and uh, and has a pretty decent track record. He says uh, that there have been discussions between Atletico Madrid and a number of clubs over Joao Felix in the recent months and that Arsenal were definitely one of those clubs. Now, Atletico have shown no indication of buckling on the price uh, and that they've told those who made the inquiries that they want about 140 million euros. It's a ridiculous price, though, and he expects that price to be significant, the the price that does the deal to be significantly less. But João Félix is interested in joining, and this is what he says, a project. 
And I feel like Arsenal right now being where we are and having shown the progress that we've shown mm -hmm. are a really attractive project. There is potential there. And this is a football club that is huge and is waiting to explode into that potential. And so this is why I think that if there is any possibility of doing this, you have to explore it now because our stock can only really go down, can't it, between now and the end of the season? Because right now we're top of the Premier League. We're five points clear. Everyone thinks we're moving in the right direction. Everyone loves the job the coach is doing. Everybody loves the, the feeling and the feel-good factor around the football club. That's great. But if you pick up a few disappointing results, that can change and turn quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's why if there's any possibility of even try, like at least try, it's one of those things, you don't want to have any regrets. Just try it. See where you get. You might get told no. You might get told a ridiculous figure that is just well outside of what you can afford. And that's fine. But you've got to try it, in my opinion. No, I completely agree. Um, sorry about the... Well, this is the show of all shows, Harry. Um, noise, cutting out, it's all happening. It's all good. It's all um, good. I just... I think that there comes a time where we also have to change the narrative, right? So the narrative can't always be if, if, if. It has to start becoming when, 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 right? The project is all well and good and it's a project. But, you know, I, I don't like that word because it was a Pochettino word at Spurs and his project. And yeah, he got them to the Champions League final, but that project resulted in no trophies. You look back at that time and you have a nice day out at Champions League final. It's time to start taking these moments and converting them into, you know, winning, into progressing and into competing. And I just think that, you know, when we keep saying maybe if we finish fourth, maybe if we we need to be building a team that's going to build a winning culture again. And I think that's the taking the process to progress. And you have to try and be in the business of signing these players. Now, is he going to want Champions League football? Yes, of course he is. We can't offer that to him right now. We look like we probably will secure Champions League football, but I'm sorry. As we say in Greek, um, you know, the devil has many legs and you just can't, you know, assume anything. And I also think that we're so focused on January and like who's coming in, Mudrik, uh, Tielemans, um, now with, uh, you know, Jal uh, Felix, or have you pronounced, is it Felix? Felix? Always, yeah. Yeah, I think um, so. I think it's Felix, uh, yeah. Felix. But yet we still haven't re-signed Saliba. We haven't re-signed Saka, and we haven't re-signed Martinelli. Are they waiting to see about Champions League football? Not to say we're not going to qualify for Champions League football, but again, you can't put your eggs in the basket. To me, those three are the most important signings we need to make before the end of the season. And of course, we need to keep building. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work for Arsenal to do still. And there's a whole lot there that is promising and exciting and it all looks good. But I just don't want us to kind of continue being this nicey, nice team, a happy seeing our team yeah. like, oh, look, we're winning again and we're doing this again we got to be, be more ruthless, and that's what I want to see in January. I want to see us be ruthless and show ambition. We're going to find out how ambitious we are come the transfer window, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, peanut butter jelly time uh, has uh, popped up in the comments. It says, wait, so are we actually getting Jao Felix? That's not what we're saying, by the way. What we are saying is that there are reports and rumours that Arsenal are among a number of clubs that have inquired 
regarding the players' availability. I think everybody understands his situation currently with Atletico Madrid and Arsenal, one of those clubs that asked about him. And Mike's gone again, Harry. Here we go again. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. It's a nightmare. Are we back? Yeah, I think we're back. I reckon they do, trying to mute you, not talking. Yeah, maybe. About, like, don't get him too excited about bringing in certain players, Harry. Not yet, not yet. It's nuts. I've got, I've literally got a brand new microphone. I got it three days ago. And it's, I don't know what's going on. Might be my computer. Might be on the blink. Um, but yeah, what we're saying is that I think it's something that we should try and do. It's something that we should explore, at least. And, and the fact that there has been reports and, and suggestions that Arsenal at least asked the question in the past gives me encouragement that he's someone that's on Arsenal's uh, radar as well. And even prior to this World Cup and prior to the Gabby Jesus injury. Um, apologies to everyone, by the way, for all the tech gremlins during this show. I hate it as well. It gets on my nerves so much. I'm so sorry, but this is the problem when you do stuff live. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, let's take some of your questions. Let's get some of your thoughts as well uh, in the chat box and we'll get through as many of those as we can in the last few minutes. Uh, please do leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. There's 440 odd of you with us live right now, but we've only got 76 likes on the board. There is no reason why we shouldn't have at least 250 likes right now. So ask them to leave a like because when I ask, they don't listen. Listen, I'm not going to go. I'll get Vinny physically to come and bring him in here and get <laughs> likes. I mean, this is free content. Uh, it's brilliant content. Hit the like button. It's the holiday season. Come on. Be the now gift that the, keeps on giving. Yeah, exactly. Now is the time to give and it's free. So what, what, what more do you want? Uh, brilliant stuff. Thank you. Um, okay, let's um, let's see what some of you guys uh, are saying in the chat box. Let me ask you about Mudrik, actually, Soph, um, because I've seen that uh, has been a bit of an ongoing conversation in the chat box today. Mikhailo Mudrik, heavily linked with Arsenal. Shakhtar say that they want 80-odd million pounds. Again, a bit like the Atletico Madrid thing. I think this is a case of, you know, let's set our bar high because mm. we know we're going to get knocked down. What is Mikhailo Mudrik worth to you as a fan? If, if you were in charge of the checkbook, what would be your cutoff point for him? Firstly, I love how involved he is in trying to get to Arsenal, by the way, yeah. this guy. You He's talk desperate. about, <laughs> you know, what I love is seeing players who want to join the club. Seafald under Jesus, Zinchenko, um, you know, it's great. It's just brilliant stuff to see. He's unproven in Europe as a whole. He's proven yeah. in his league, right? He's a rising star and a player that many teams are interested in. I just feel like a lot, we give a lot to younger players much sooner than they should get. But unfortunately, that's the way the world works. Money makes everything tick. And if you want to be in the game to buy a player like him, you're buying potential. Buying potential is always concerning. Um, you know, you buy Thomas Partey, you're buying a guaranteed product. You know what he's done in the Champions League in La Liga, right? He's a little bit of an unknown quantity. However, is he worth the risk, a calculated risk? 40 is the most, I think, you go for a player of his age, his ilk, his reputation, and the potential. It always baffles me. Like, if he's worth 40, and some people are saying 80, then Saliba must be 150 plus if he goes on the market this summer. Yeah. You know, it. it's really... You know, and then you've got British players, Benjamin White, 50. Was he worth 50 at the time? No, but you bought in, you invested. It's an investment. 
At the end of the day, do you get ROI on your investment? Not on every signing you do not. See, Fernando Pepe, 72 yeah. million. That was a huge, I mean, we, we've talked about that ad nauseum. So, I mean, 30, 40 for a player like him, 40 max. And then you tap out after that. You're not paying 50 for him plus, are you? Are you, Harry? No, I, I'm not. And and that's the that's the thing. That's where you're going to get that disconnect now. Because if we don't pay it and we don't get the player, there will be a lot of Arsenal fans out there, I can tell you, that will say, well, look, we lacked ambition. But for me, I, I still think we we have to remember that this is a club that is wanting to move back towards self-sustainability. What's that, Soph? I've lost you. Is it me or is it? No, that's not true what I'm reading in your chat, is it? About, about Martinelli? Martinelli? Well, I'll check that out. Um, I'll check that out. But just as I was saying, that this is a club that is moving towards self-sustainability again. It's been a few seasons where we've had to invest and we've seen the financial results off the back of that. Um, but ultimately, that's where KSE want to get it back to. And I still think we have a responsibility to not spend money stupidly. And it's this thing that we have as a Premier League club. Yes, we make more money and we generate more revenue. But as a Premier League club, we're almost hamstrung by that because we then have to pay well over the odds. If this was AC Milan looking at Mikhailo Modric, they wouldn't pay anywhere near that. But I bet you he'd want to go there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so much easier when a player wants to come to a club. than a, I mean, seamless negotiations. Jesus, Zinchenko, done, done, boom. You know? Um, he doesn't want to go to another club other than Arsenal, but he's he... He's also, this is why sometimes I really back players later on in their careers. And I think that maybe comes from living in the US with American sports for so long as well. The yeah. player is a commodity. It's really harsh, but that's how they, especially in, in the NFL and the, N, the NBA, teams look so different. Last year, Stan Kroenke's Rams won the Super Bowl. This year, they're, they're the worst team in the league defensively. They're actually the worst team that has ever defended a Super Bowl title. Wow. And, you know, there's it, there's turnaround a lot. Um, but when a player wants to join a club, that's one thing. But if the club can get more money from someone else, and they will, Manchester United are going to be throwing dollars in, maybe not in January as much, but in the summer. We're going to really be competing with them. We're going to be competing again with Chelsea, Liverpool. It's going to be so hard. You know, so if the player wants to join, great. But unfortunately, sometimes in these situations, the player doesn't always have the final choice. Maybe he does, mostly, but the club is always going to try and get top dollar. And yeah. that's when the deal could fall through because Arsenal, you saw it with Villa. They're not going to do that. They're just not in that business. Yeah, they've got their limits and, and they're not going to surpass them for anybody. Uh, Wolves FI with a very kind uh, super chat says, hello to Arsenal from the bottom of the table. Oh, uh, Wolves, I hope you, you pick it up, mate. I, I don't want to see Wolves go down. I quite like Wolves. Um, not just because you're donating to the channel. Genuinely, I, I felt like uh, Bruno Large got a bit of a, a hard time and um, and probably given time, I think, would have actually turned it around. Um, Harry, were they not the team that told us not to celebrate? Yeah, but you know what? They're they're down at the bottom of the league. They're just miserable. You know, just expect it. Um, For whoever put this comment about the Martinelli hamstring injury, supposedly. It better not even be a joke. 
Yeah, it, a, it better not be a joke. But if it is serious, what's the source? Because I can't find anything. I've just been looking. Do not joke like that. Yeah, it's it's not on. It's what are you trying to kill us? Yeah, exactly. Christmas crying out loud. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, one final question, and I'll let you go because we've we've run over. I told you that we'd do half That's an okay. hour. And, yeah, I can right. I can do a few more questions. Um, if you could sign one player in January, only one, who would it be? Put you on the spot, Ken. If I could sign only one player in January, who would it be? Is my budget limitless? Yeah, within reason. Oh dear. Um, well, the one player I would go, I if I was Arsenal, I'd start building a legacy team, right? You go get Felix, right? Or if he's available. But the one player that you go get is for me, Jude Bellingham. Kevin and I had this discussion. He would sign Rice over Bellingham. And we had this whole discussion about Rice versus Bellingham. Um, and I get it. He thinks Rice is like, whoop, you know, plug and play for Partey. Um, I think Jude can do two or three different things and do them brilliantly. So if you're asking me who I, if I would sign and my, I had my budget, you know, that's who I would go get. I would start building around show Saka, you mean business, show Martinelli, show Saliba. You know, you start talking about building a team like that and then you add a, a player like that in there. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's Liverpool bound. Henderson's done a job on him. There's no doubt about that. But um, he's the player I would love to see at Arsenal, especially with the other young talent we have around Harry. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him come in as well because people talk about Rice, but I feel like Bellingham's got way more potential and has got a much mm -hmm. higher ceiling. And the thing with Rice as well that, that drives me a bit nuts, I know that Bellingham is still very young. We're talking about a 19-year-old, right, who got up and went to Germany to to learn his trade and earn his yes. strength. And here he is, you know, bossing it in the Champions League, bossing it at the World Cup. Declan Rice, for me, until he makes that next move, I'm going to have question marks about him. And also the fact that it would cost a ridiculous amount of money. And I don't know really how much better he can get puts me off that deal. Um, I, I, yeah. I just it's it's a I don't rate Declan Rice basically is what I'm saying as much as a lot of people. And Harry, the other thing too is look who Jude has come up against. Now I know Rice has at the Euros and now the World Cup, of course, um, in the Premier League comes up comes yeah. up against big players. Jude Bellingham is a leader in the Dortmund team and is playing, you know, Champions League football every other week, and is facing uh, different kinds of pressures. Europa League conference being captain of West Ham, totally different to playing for Dortmund in the Champions League. You know, for me, I just think that he's a he's just one of those once in a generation players. I think Rice is a good player, but I just don't see the X factors. I think he's bread and butter. I think Jude is Meze. <laughs> the 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 butte, the goat. <laughs> the brilliant the, the, the little the of that. everything special flavors yeah. and mm. that's yeah. it that's it exactly um look we're gonna leave it there um because i'm scared that my microphone's gonna cut out again or something's <laughs> gonna go wrong um what was that four or five times in one show that's that's a record um so apologies again to everybody listening watching uh apologies to sofa as well for having to jump in and cover me when i went a wall 
uh, as I disappeared off the screen. Um, I'll always but, have your six, mate. Yeah, I'll have you back to you as long as you know that. Um, Sophie, I've tagged the Highbury squad in the title. So people that want to check it out can literally click on it and get straight over there. But tell everybody what you've got coming up, what you guys do for people that are maybe new to it and um, and basically plug yourselves. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, we've got uh, hopefully on Friday, we're back with uh, Kev Says, a live fan Q&A with Super Kev. Um, Monday Madness will be back um, with a special guest. So look out for that announcement over uh, the weekend. Um, we've got our store up and running, Harry, if you don't mind me plugging that. And yeah, do it. all of do our it. sales over the holiday season will go to Gunas V Cancer and our artists in our community. Um, just go to a Google Highbury Squad Spring Store or go over to our channel. You'll see it. Um, put in code Vinny, you get 20% off and all the money goes to our community, our people. And uh, yeah, and um, that's uh, that's about it. We'll be getting back to a bit of a regular schedule, as I said at the beginning of the show, and lots of fun guests coming up and some good stuff. And uh, yeah, check us out. Give us a shot if you haven't heard us before. It's pretty decent Make sure you do yeah it's great stuff make sure you get over there and check it out look there is over 500 of you with us now so there's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 250 likes so hit the like button as we depart uh thank you all so much for tuning in thank you for bearing with me as well uh whilst everything and anything that could have gone wrong went wrong uh during this edition of the show but i hope you've enjoyed what you did get to hear in between anyway uh thank you to sophie thank you to all of you and we'll be back soon with more until then in fact we'll be back tomorrow with a live watch along of the uh, arsenal friendly i'm gonna do that it's been a while since i've done a watch along mm. and uh the ones that we did in pre-season last season were some of the best performing i wonder if that's because the game was behind the paywall um as it is again uh tomorrow so uh i'll have the game i'll be taking you through it if you want to join me come along for the ride and then we'll do a post uh match show a little bit later on in the evening where we'll break down for those of you that don't get to join the watch along what happened, how it went, and and our takeaways from it. Uh, so we'll see you all tomorrow. Cheers. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.